Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is an NKU alum and a veteran, but we'll get into that just in a bit. First, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time to be part of Your Living History. Well, thank you, Rusty. I'm super uh, happy to share some hopefully some insight and in kind of what my story is, how, uh, where I got to am today. It's uh, a long one, so I know we'll have to shorten that for today's purposes, but uh, super excited to have the opportunity to, to talk with you today. To get things started, can you please just state your name and the branch of service you were part of? Yeah, so Brian Sisk, I was in the Army from 1988 to 2008, um, so I retired. It's been, it's been a while now, but I retired in 2008. Why did you decide to join the army? Yeah, so I'll tell you, it's, uh, you know, I look back now and, and I hear some of these really inspiring stories. Mine uh, probably is a little bit different than that. So I joined when I was 17. So I actually had to, my mom actually had to co-sign on the paperwork because I was still in high school. Um, I had a couple of revelations, if you will. Uh, my dad had an electrical contracting company. I grew up in construction, had uncles that were framers and concrete and and really all I knew is um, while I was good at that and you could make money at that and it's a good living, I just knew at that point, probably not what I wanted to do, but at the same time, didn't want to go to college. And so uh, the ASVAB testing comes around, the high school I went to does the ASVAB testing. And uh, I had scored well in a couple of things and that obviously led to a recruiter conversation with a couple of different branches. And what I liked about the army was I had the opportunity to pick a job. Mm. And, and the timing worked out because at the same time I was getting married about, you know, two weeks after high school. So I figured I'd make all the life changes at once. And so <laughs> the fact that I could pick a job and I could leave at the time that um, fit within kind of my life goals. So you actually had your parents sign off for you to go to basic training prior to your senior year of high school. What was the job that you were guaranteed then? I originally went in as a Russian linguist. You know, we were in the ballistic missile, air, missile area, or ballistic missile era, and a um, lot of energy going into relations with our Soviet counterparts. And, and so joined initially as a Russian linguist. And so what that did for me for basic training is extended my basic training by weeks because we had to get top secret security clearances mm -hmm. before we could go into basic training. And so was in basic training a lot longer than your typical basic training experience. I actually look back now and it's like one of the things that is, was a real blessing because you get to know the individuals that you're going to school with or training uh, a lot better than, than the typical uh, eight week course. So, Absolutely. you know, we were together about three months total. Yeah. Went to Monterey, California, beautiful area. Um, although at the time, 
as a uh, private in that area, I will tell you the, uh, the cost of living and your wages are not quite compatible. Absolutely. Uh, so while the area is beautiful, we did a lot of driving, but didn't really get to do a lot of the cool stuff that that area is known for. Funny thing is, I am told, Rusty, that I have an accent. Um, <laughs> Can't tell at all, sir. <laughs> just saying, I, you know, it's what they tell me. And so I had a hard time with some of the phrases and syllables um, because you had to be basically high school level uh, speaking Russian uh, basically in a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was just, that just obviously was not in the cards for me. So had a couple of jobs. They, you know, there's, you get options. They're like, hey, you can get out or you can, here's another couple of different things we could send you into. One was an electrician. Imagine that, I grew up doing that. So obviously the aptitude was gonna be high there. Right. And the others was uh, computer programming. And you gotta consider this is in the late 80s. Not everybody even had a computer at home. And so I had the opportunity to do that. So I went into the Signal Corps, did that for about eight years, and uh, ultimately had the opportunity to transition into nursing. And that's how I finished my career. So I went from uh, enlisted to officer and finished the last 12 years of my career um, as an Army nurse. Well, that's awesome. So you're a Mustang then, uh, prior enlisted <laughs> with the officer that's, background. So I appreciate that tremendously. And did you end up getting married then two weeks after the high school time frame? And so I did. I, yeah, I left uh, five days after we got married. And I'll tell you, that's one of the things that uh, I am the most proud of is we've been married for coming up on 35 years now. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, she is, uh, I will tell everybody, Trina is a big reason uh, why any success I have in my life has a lot to do with uh, how supportive she's been over the years. Absolutely. And, and so she retired along with you and went through that <laughs> whole did. army experience and everything. Now, did she have an opportunity to go to Monterey? So she did. She went okay. to Monterey with me, uh, which was hard for both of us because, you know, the hours you spend in a program like that, um, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So she ended up kind of hanging out in the apartment, not knowing anybody, completely disconnected from family, which... You know, that makes that life hard for, for an Army spouse. And, um, you know, I would see her for hours a week as newlyweds, which uh, that was something that was, I'll tell you, that was pretty hard to navigate. But uh, but she's a trooper and uh, can't say enough nice things about her. Yeah, and I, I'm happy to see that uh, the conversation has opened up around dependents and spouses um, as part of their journey as well. And we, we try to document that as much as we possibly can. It, because we're still a long ways away for the support and the, everything that should go along with that. Uh, but I appreciate you talking about that and mentioning it. And as you said, as the E1 cover out in the Army, you don't necessarily have the mechanisms <laughs> available to you, especially in Monterey, California, which is a cost of living is pretty high up there. Um, even during that time period as an E1 and, and with a spouse. Let's get back to kind of what you did after that, Den. So did, were you... You, you obviously qualified for linguist school because of your score within the ASFED, but did you have a Russian background that led you that, in that direction? No, uh, there, then I can't remember the name of the test, but they had a uh, test that you took that was specific for linguistics. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I scored very well in that space. And that's, that's kind of how those two things aligned. Um, so yeah, it was, 
you know, you take a, a young man out of uh, Texas who's worked construction his whole life and put him in Monterey, California. And in those programs, you're immersed in Russian. Right. So, you know, they have native speakers, they have individuals who live their whole life in, in Russian and that that's how they, that's what they do. It's an immersion program. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was really eye opening for me that there's a whole world out there, yeah. right? I just wouldn't have known that otherwise. And I'm very appreciative to this day for that experience. Uh, but yeah, but that, that's how that worked. Yeah, absolutely. And that's during Cold War times, right? So we didn't yep. necessarily end the Cold War till what, 91, I think it was, end of 1991. So some crazy times that were happening during that period of, as well. But you went on then to do computer, if it was information technology or something along those lines. Where did that end up taking you then? What a, what a great experience again. And, and you know, I've Honestly, my military career, I'm very fond of, and it really opened a lot of doors for me. But yeah, so originally, so I, you know, moved about every 18 months, I think my whole career. So I've lived in a lot of different places, but, uh, you know, started off at Fort Sam kind of working with a personnel interaction. Um, I am proud to say I have an accomplishment that very few people probably even remember. We transitioned the army from vacuum punched cards, which is how we did computer programming <laughs> right. back yeah. then, Absolutely. into a COBOL environment, which was like groundbreaking stuff back then. <laughs> and yeah. I, I just yeah. kind of giggle now because I don't even know that anybody know what a punch card is, right? <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny because you would have thousands of these cards that if one of them got out of order, you'd have to rerun the whole set. And, and it was just so, such an amazing environment. But Kind of went from there, um, you know, spent some time in Hawaii, you know, somebody's got to do that. That's right. tough on them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and then in Hawaii, um, had a really unique experience. So we got to be some really good friends with some uh, some individuals who live there. And we went to a one-year-old birthday party. And at the party, and I, I, I would bet you this couple doesn't even remember having the conversation with us. It was a one-year-old birthday party, but they were having the conversation about how they had a baby that had passed away. Mm. And, and what stuck with me after that conversation was how much they talked about how the nurse that worked with them made that as a terrible experience, but made it bearable because they were really kind of moving some of these barriers, making sure they had what they needed you know, counseling, aligning, you know, medical resources, all of that. And I remember we left that and, and that just stuck with me. I said, you know, I'm kind of looking at, do I want to get out? Do I want to, you know, what do I want to do next? And so I went and talked with a buddy of mine and said, hey, how do I do this nursing thing in the military? And, and just a bunch of doors opened after that. Wow. Well, let's delve into that a little bit because that helped lead you in the direction of becoming that Mustang, that officer in the military. So what was kind of your next step to get that accomplished? Yeah, so, you know, then the promotion system for enlisted was a thousand point system, right? And I know they've changed it several times since then. So um, I was uh, always kind of working in that 990 range, you know, so, you know, doing physical fitness, doing the school thing, doing all the things that you need to do in your military career to make sure that you get your points so you're competitive for your promotions. And so, you know, and I, and I tell everybody that one of the things that taught me is you really, you take care of today, do your business, do it at a high level, 
you don't have to worry so much about what opens up for you in the future because that 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 comes with it right and i had a uh one of my colonels uh, sit down and tell me that one time he's like you don't got to worry about chasing promotion the promotions will come as long as you take care of today and so I've tried to share that piece of advice. And so when I went and talked to the officer recruiter and I said, hey, you know, I hear y'all have a nursing program, didn't know anything about it. Here I am a computer programmer, right? Saying right? <laughs> I just want to jump over into nursing. And they're like, they looked at my record, um, said, hey, your record really aligns well with what we're looking for. Here's the application process. We take, I don't know, in that time, I don't remember what the number was, but say 75 or so a year through this process, we think you'd be competitive. They helped me put the application together and uh, got accepted and actually left from there. And my full-time job for two years was to go to Arkansas Tech's nursing school wow. um, while I was in E6. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, I had a incredible opportunity to be a full-time student while I'm active duty. And then at the end of that, walked out as an officer. So uh, can't say enough great things about that. Yeah, that's a great program. So as part of that program, were you kind of part of the ROTC at that point or was it a totally separate program? And then a follow-up question, if you weren't part of ROTC, did you have to go through OCS or anything like that? Yeah, so so in the medical side of the world, it's, it's completely different. and. Um, and so the, it's an AMED commissioning program, Army Medical Department commissioning program. And so it is independent of an ROTC. And basically, if you meet the requirements, your full-time job is to go to nursing school. Then when you come out of nursing school, then you go to a uh, medical officer candidate type school. Uh, it's actually officer basic. Um, so it's a little bit different pathway in the medical side of the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that had has really a lot to do with um, how hard um, the medical side is to recruit. Um, so it's just one of the things they set up as a pathway for that program. Yeah, and what a great pathway it worked out uh, to be because Absolutely. then you end up spending a significant amount of time uh, as an Army nurse, is that correct? Yeah, so 12 years, 12 the last years. 12 years of my career was uh, as an Army nurse. All right, so this is an impossible question. So I understand that before I even ask it, I'm a Mustang as well, and I was preventive medicine uh, okay. on the enlisted side. And I became an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic and satellite missile operator. So I was in operations, totally, totally <laughs> different things. Yours is the same way, but in a reverse role uh, from a computer program, Russian language computer programmer to a nurse kind of compare the difference between the job changes, but also kind of the mentality or philosophy behind being an enlisted member versus being an officer. Yeah, you know, the, and again, it's um, always, always caveat that I really do think the medical field has a unique carve out in the military space. And I think you'll see a lot of differences from how the line operates versus uh, medical. Although I spent most of my time kind of attached to those types of units. But, um, you know, what I think that there's really two differences that that kind of pop into my head. Number one, I think your goals change. Um, Because I wasn't as concerned as um, really like, so the difference as an enlisted, really looking at, you know, what are the requirements I got to do? How do I do a good job? What is my next school? 
to make sure that that all aligned with my career pathway. Um, where on the officer side, it really is more about, because number one, you're a nurse, you have a marketable skill, right? right? And, and so it really was more about what is the next opportunity that aligns with what I want to do? Absolutely. And so, and, and of course, being in nursing, the career field is wide open. And so, so really different pathway. And so it's the mechanism that really keeps you engaged because, you know, you can be out uh, in the field in a tent doing some really cool stuff and then go back to your uh, neonatal intensive care. Hmm. And it's just an environment that I found incredibly engaging. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just, it's, it's a, it's more of a, how I got to deliver my skills, how it aligned with, I can actually do the mission of the army and do something that aligns with what I want to do as a career. Absolutely. And so it really, yeah, it really, really worked out that that's really the biggest difference, I think, because, you know, being, being young and being enlisted, I tell everybody, had I not had that experience, I don't know that I'd be the same person because, you know, just learning how to establish goals and tasks and make sure you deliver and doing those things. I'm so grateful I had that on the front end of, of my military career because I think it really set me up um, to be successful in the back end. Well, I absolutely agree. And from a personal perspective, I was way too, now I'm not saying this about you, but I was way too immature when I went to college the first time. I ended up dropping out and joining oh. from the enlisted side, which really helped me grow up to then where I could become an officer uh, at a later time. And it, it just helped build my career and my success. And I love what you said, take care of your business at a high level and the rest will take care of you. And I think it goes throughout your entire career. It really does. When you became a nurse then in the Army, uh, kind of just walk through some of the different jobs that you had and how you built that career over those 12 years, please. Yeah, so I think you're going to find we, we may have crossed paths at a certain point because I started off just about the way um, at that point in time, most nurses started off, started off on a medical surgical unit, you know, really where you kind of learn learn how to be a nurse, you know, how do you interact with patients? How do you make sure that you give the right meds at the right time? And just doing some of that type of work and also being in the military, then there's the, how do you become an officer and a good leader? And right. so, so the military, I think is very good about kind of um, owning both of those pathways, put you in a good spot to where you can be successful in both. And so then transition to the neonatal intensive care unit um, and I'll tell, I tell everybody, I am still a NICU nurse at heart. Um, had our hospital in Oklahoma not kind of gotten rid of the NICU, um, I probably would still be in that field. I just, it's, like I said, that's still my heart to this day. And I tell everybody that I'm a NICU nurse, <laughs> even though I spent the majority of my years in the military in preventive medicine. Okay. So I transitioned out of the NICU and we obviously downsized uh, that part of that hospital, um, had the opportunity to go into a preventive medicine job and uh, did preventive medicine in the military the last uh, well, probably six to eight years or so, somewhere in that neighborhood, it's been a lot of years now. But, um, and so ended uh, my career uh, teaching at the AMED Center and School in San Antonio, um, which if anybody has been there you know, 20 years ago and goes back now, it is a, wow, talk about change because now it's a combined training. It's not an army training now. It's all services, wow. uh, medical. Yeah. 
but uh, but I really got to work across an international platform. So got to work with uh, pretty much officers from our allied health nations across the world, looking at how do we manage you know safe food, safe water? How do we track down when we have outbreaks? How do we manage those things? Um, you know, how do we support policies that make sure that we have you know set ourselves up for you know success going forward in the future, and especially doing surveillance among our military who are deployed. You know, making sure that we we can catch some of these things early. So, you know, if it impacts five, we can catch it there versus impacting you know 220. And so, uh, yeah. So I had a real opportunity. Worked with Texas A&M, develop a partnership where the officers would come. They would spend three months with us, but they'd also walk out and have some uh, uh, college credits at Texas A&M. So had a had a really great time there at the end of my career. Well, that's awesome that you had that partnership to even lead it into uh, the future of a college education from those that came through the program. So when you were primarily teaching there, were you primarily teaching enlisted officers or a combination of all? It's a combination. Now, primarily my responsibility was we had a cohort of specialties that were mainly officer. Uh, we had nurses, occupational health physicians, um, entomologists, some uh, like some of the individuals in our uh, radio, um, like our nuke med sciences and things like that. Uh, we had a lot of those different individuals, but it really was about, you know, in a, in a deployed environment, how do we maintain a safe environment? And then also in, it may not be a deployed environment. It may be like back home at the U.S., same thing. How do we make sure that the bases that we're at, we're doing the right things and keeping our troops home? Absolutely. And, uh, a mission that is so needed and sometimes doesn't get everything it needs to, to accomplish what it has to accomplish. But um, it, which kind of leads me to my next question of sorts is what were some of the assignments that you had along the way? Um, and it could be from both your enlisted or your officer time that kind of just really stands out to you that you felt made a, such a huge impact not only with the military, but in your career and what led you on to your future? You know, there, there is, I'll tell you, the one that, uh, there's two, and I've, I've told one of these stories here pretty recently. Um, as a, I don't know, it's probably an E-4 at the time, stationed in San Antonio the first time, this would have been the early 90s. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of had this, do I go to college, you know, but I'll just do this thing for a while and I'll figure it out and wasn't in a real big hurry. And so um, me and about four other guys got pulled out of formation one morning and our company commander gave us a broom, a one of those three inch wide rollers and a bucket of paint and said, hey, the stripes in my parking lot, this is August in San Antonio. <laughs> They need to be touched up. They're looking pretty bad. So you four go do that. And so, uh, you know, here we are grumbling like, you know, what the heck's he thinking? This no value add here. So we, after a couple of days of doing that, I mean, and it is hot out there. Um, he comes out and he's like, hey guys, um, y'all want to do this your whole life? And we're like, well, no. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm looking at your record and I don't know that you're qualified to do much beyond this. So if y'all want to go to college, if you'll sign up, you can get off this detail. <laughs> That's Captain Payne. And uh, 
and I, every one of us went down to the ed center and signed up to go to college. And I, and I, and I look back now and I grumble. Oh, I was man. not happy. Yeah. Right. But I look back now and I'm like, wow, what a monumental shift in my life because he saw something in me that I don't know that I knew was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unconventional way of getting you to pursue your education, but it was effective because I don't know if I didn't have a push like that, that I would have done it at that point in time. And, you know, now I've, you know, ended up with my doctorate and, and, and it all started somewhere. And that's, that's the point it started. Then the second one, if we've got time, Absolutely. Um, I had transitioned into the officer side of the world you know, being from your experience, you know, being enlisted, you kind of go into, you know, switching over. You have, you, you know, more about kind of the system than, than somebody coming in uh, from the outside does. And so I had my first chief nurse, who's Colonel Jurgensmeyer, takes me aside and he says, Hey, I'm just going to tell you a couple things here. He said, You've obviously done well or you wouldn't be here. And so I don't have any concerns about the job you're going to do or your commitment or anything like that. He said, what I am concerned about is you need to make sure that you spend equal amount of time taking care of your family. He said, this hospital, this job is going to be here long after both of us are gone. He said, but your family's the one thing that you get to walk out of this, out of this game called the army. That's what you walk out of here with. Hmm. And he said, you're going to go from one day, you're going to go from being an officer to being just another individual on the street. And he said, but the thing you get to take with you is your wife, your children, and that. And he said, and that's the most important thing. And uh, again, I was so grateful to have both of those conversations. I can remember where I was standing, what they looked like. I mean, it's, it's those conversations that are incredibly vivid. Right. It just hits you different because you're thinking, wow, uh, what a difference it made in my, in my life, in my professional and personal Absolutely. You talk about support, coaching, mentorship, and uh, even though both of them were unique ways of how they accomplished, but a lot of great things came out of that conversation. I appreciate you sharing tremendously. One of them is I was in San Antonio in the 90s, so we might have ran across each other. I mean. We might have passed each other. <laughs> and, and we do this all the time as military folks, right? We run into people and it's like, well, I was there, I was there, and, and so on and so forth. So it's, so it's just a unique thing about military lifestyle. But you mentioned about the gentleman that put you in the parking lot, you know, painting and cleaning that and how it led through you to get your education. And so I wanted to talk a little about that because you obviously, um, like you said, went down the education center, signed up. You went through, got your your bachelor's degree. Where'd you get your bachelor's, if you don't mind me asking? So I started off um, and got an associate's degree from Chaminade University in Hawaii. Okay. That is because I had taken a lot of classes uh, when, I, when I was stationed in San Antonio, but then I got transitioned to Hawaii, which I learned the hard lesson about not all your credits transfer, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And so I had a ton of credits, but didn't really count for any degree. And I had actually started my nursing prereqs all at the same time. And so um, I had an education counselor sit down with me and said, man, you know, you're in a tough spot here. You got all these credits you're changing your degree pathway because that's when I had decided to go from computer science to nursing. Mm-hmm. And we've got to do something about getting you some kind of degree out of this many hours. And right. so I was able to start doing my nursing prereqs under that individual's guidance through the Ed Center. Um, and at the same time, take a few classes to make sure I met the requirements for an associate degree. 
And so when I was in Hawaii, I got accepted um, into Arkansas Tech. That's where I got my bachelor's. Um, then I went to um, similar type of program when I went into preventive medicine, spent two years at Texas A&M and got a master's degree in public health and uh, ultimately a doctor third in KU. Yeah, and I want to highlight that piece, but again, some great nuggets. So having that uh, capability go to your educational office, have them work through that, help you based off the requirements that you brought to the table, and plus all your military requirements that you picked up along the way as well. Um, and that's kind of set you up for going into the Texas A&M Masters of Public Health program. What brought you to NKU for your doctorate <laughs> was my question. How'd you end up here? So a couple of things, you know, I wanted to pursue my nursing doctorate. Um, I think it's important that, um, that you are on the cutting edge of anything you do as a professional career, right? And so getting my doctorate was really important to me. Timing, I was a chief nurse at the VA in Temple at oh. the time. So when I, when I got out of the military, when I retired, I went into the uh, Temple, Central Texas uh, Veterans Medical they have a hospital center there in uh, Temple, Texas, which is right outside of Fort Hood for those who know Fort Hood. And so at the time I was a chief nurse of the VA there, you know, just trying to find a program that fit in that type of busy lifestyle, if you will. I talked with several schools and, and I'll tell you what drew me to NKU is when I started talking with the uh, faculty and the counselors it was all about how we mold the program around you. Mm, yeah. And yes, we realize there are times where some accrediting agency is gonna show up and you may have to miss a class, just communicate with us and we will figure this thing out. And, and I was just blown away because the, that type of flexibility just wasn't there for the other schools I had talked to. And um, and so, yeah, it was, it was that. And I was just so appreciative of of how they were really interested in not just me as a student, but they really took into account where I was as a professional and knew it was gonna be complicated, but we were, we were gonna go down this road together and figure it out. And I was just so blown away by that approach. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Nora's up for that, I guess. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> We greatly appreciate that you not only chose uh, to come to NKU, but being an alum and being part of our podcast today. You had mentioned earlier about uh, the transition out of the military, but we didn't delve into that. I'd like to delve into that just for a minute, um, because like you said earlier with uh, your, your lovely wife, Trina, of 35 plus years, um, she went through that journey with you. How is there... Uh, anything that you could share uh, to the listening audience that might be either in the military um, that's married or going into the military that will be married? Any secrets, any tips of kind of things that uh, you could relay to them that help you be successful as a married couple throughout your military time? Yeah, so, you know, specifically, um, you know, I, I think obviously uh, Trina's exceptional because um, she really... She, she really ran the household when, you know, at schools and traveling and all that comes with military life, um, you know, she was, she was just amazing. And so uh, I give her all of that credit. I don't know that I have a whole lot of advice to offer in that space. I think you might have to have her on the show and ask her how she did that because, right. um, you know, I really, 
really did focus in on making sure I was hitting all the marks, you know, in my military career and going to the right schools and doing the right things and, you know, getting my education and doing all that while she was really uh, making sure our house was running and kids were fed and clothed and going to school and doing all those things. So, um, so I, I really give her the credit, but I think that it's just communication. You got to talk to each other. And then there are things that, you know, you got to do, you don't like, she did not like moving every 18 months. Um, I kind of thought that was cool. Um, Cause I got to go to a new unit, do some cool things. And we got to go see other parts of the, of the country, but Sometimes I forgot that, oh yeah, we've got a whole family to move and what it's going to do for her when we move to a new place. She has no friends, no family, and you know, three small children where she kind of gets isolated for a year mm-hmm. till she gets friends and family and all that around. And then we move again. Move again. Yeah. And so, so I think I probably discounted the impact on her um, over those years. So my, anybody I would, I, I have this conversation with, I, I just have that, that caveat is, is, Hey, life at heart is home. Right? Life at home is hard, right? Don't underestimate what it takes to make that happen. And while in the military, you get to transition to instantly having a community around you when you go to your new company, mm-hmm. right? You instantly get brought into whether it's a squad, a platoon or a regiment or whatever it is, you instantly kind of make those connections that doesn't necessarily happen on the home front. Absolutely. And uh, takes a special person to kind of pull that off, you know, year after year. Absolutely. And I think it's tremendous. And it's an area that we kind of mentioned at the beginning. It's still open to a lot of improvements. Uh, one of the things that we started doing when I was at UC through their ROTC program, we started briefing girlfriends and wives. This is what you're signing up for, just to give them awareness of what they're going into. And uh, we don't get enough of that out to the to those that yeah. uh, go through that. So I, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that and bringing that up. And uh, we owe all our families, and like you said, spouses and kids, they all serve just as much as we did, just in a different capacity than what we did. Yeah. So it's very difficult for everybody. But you had also um, mentioned as I go back to talking a little about transitioning out, because you gave a lot of great Easter eggs, right? Take care of your business, work hard, you know, take care of your family communication. From a transitioning standpoint, talk a little bit what that was like getting out of the Army after retiring, going through the programs that you went through. How was transition for you? And do you have any secrets for those that are going to go through that? Yeah, so I'll tell you, um, it didn't really hit me at first because I was one of those that had a job being being a nurse, right? Um, finding a, your job wasn't that hard. Um, I had a couple of offers, but I, I, chose to, I chose to go to the VA because one thing that I know about myself, I probably wouldn't have known it then, um, wouldn't have been able to put my finger on it, very mission-driven, right? And, and the military served that in me, and I didn't even realize that part of me was there because that's just what you do, right? So as I'm looking at different careers, I just couldn't see myself stepping away from military and soldiers. I was having a hard time with that concept because, you know, I had worked my way up from, you know, being a private, I was retiring as a major. Um, And so so part of me was struggling with, you know, what do you do next? Um, And so went into the VA system, very grateful for my experience there. 
Um, and, you know, same thing, very mission driven organization. You're working with veterans, um, you know, so, but I, I realized that I had transitioned when I had to go get a new ID card. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, they handed me that blue ID card and I just looked at it for a minute. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I worked so hard <laughs> for that other card. Absolutely. And uh, now I don't have that anymore. And so I just remember, you know, having a moment there where you're like, wow, things are about to be very different. Um, they've been good, but, you know, it's just very different. And so, uh, so I, you know, I'm not going to lie, like we just sailed off into the sunset and everything was, was roses. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of periods where I look back and I say, man, you know, did I do the right thing? Um, but, you know, it's just, you just can't replace the camaraderie you have in the middle. There's just nothing that looks like that. Uh, you just don't share experiences like that outside of that environment. Um, but you do have to adjust. I mean, yeah, I still find myself using, uh, you know, phrases like we got to get hot or let's <laughs> let's throw the grenade and see what happens. And, the, and the, the room looks around at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so I just chuckle a bit because, you know, it's kind of a fond memory at that point, but, uh, you know, you do have to learn to adjust and, and that's the thing. I think the VA for me was a good place to kind of transition into, uh, still had that mission driven environment and, uh, was really good, good at that point in my time too. I had two small babies at the time. My, my twins came uh, later in life. And so that all, that all tended to work out. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing and uh, going through that. Any really final thoughts, anything else that I didn't ask or didn't cover that we should get out there um, before we sign off? No, I would just, you know, what I tell, I do a lot of discussions. I don't say a lot, uh, but quite often do discussions with individuals on, you know, don't really want to know what I want to do. I don't really want to do that, but I know I kind of think I want to be interested, you know, just all the things about what do I do with the next stage of my career, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I always go back to look at what you're doing now and are you the best in what you're doing now? Because if you, you are that, then you can do whatever you want. Whether you completely, I completely changed career fields and, and it just opens up those doors. And then it really is on you as an individual to continue your education, to make sure that you're doing the things that if somebody, if you were to apply for a job, what does somebody else who's applying for that same job, what do they have that you don't? And this is a lifelong thing because you've always got to close that gap. You can't ever stop closing that gap until at some point you do decide, you know, to hang it up, right? At that point then go fishing and do those kinds of things. That's cool. I want to do that at some point, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah, so, I mean, just don't be afraid to close the gap. It's hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and I get it. It takes resources. It takes time. Um, that's time that's away from your family. But ultimately, your family will be in a better spot. Absolutely. And I think that is kind of the perfect way to close this segment because I think you hit – some of those tips, those secrets that you threw out there. And I just keep going back to that phrase that you mentioned earlier, take care of your business at a high level and it will take care of you. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being part of Tackley Acquired. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, I appreciate that.